Today is Wednesday, June 22nd, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. The media actually had a good piece of journalism on the life issue, but it wasn't on purpose. We'll have that story and more on today's Quick Start podcast, where we bring you the news of the day from a Christian perspective. If you agree with that mission, you can help us subscribe to this podcast, give us a rating, share it with a friend, all that good stuff. The news of the day can be incredibly depressing, but doesn't have to be. We'll bring a little sanity, a little God to the mix here and uh, go through the news of the cray together. With me, as always, Trey Gons Phillips, Billy Hallowell from CBNsFaithWire.com with a look at what's coming up on the pod. What's going on today, guys? Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. We're halfway there. Yes. Right. It's hard to believe Indeed. we're already halfway there. Uh, this podcast makes it week. happen. We make it happen. Yeah. We make it happen. So what's coming up? So an Olympic athlete is telling parents to get a grip over concerns about transgender athletes. So we'll get into those comments. And we're also going to be talking about Governor Kathy Hochul. She has a label for pro-lifers that you're going to want to hear. Oh boy, I'm sure it's incredibly positive. Uh, Coming up on the main thing as well, guys, we're going to look at the cultural drift away from acknowledging absolute truths and seeing God as the ultimate source of morality and sort of the consequences of that. Trey's going to be diving into that. But the first thing today is it's a little different, guys. I wanted to have a conversation about this incredible piece of reporting from the Washington Post. And by I don't mean incredible the way you normally mean it. It was kind of an incredible, unintentional self-own for the pro-choice movement. So the piece doesn't explicitly kind of go out there and say, oh, this is a pro-choice piece. But, you know, all eyes in the media have been on this Texas abortion law which effectively restricted abortions after six weeks. So you can only get them really, really early on. Otherwise, you got to go out of state. And so they've been watching this. You know they've been waiting. And so they try to unleash this sob story because here is this teenager in Texas who ends up having twins. And she's possibly one of the first to have initially gone to look for an abortion, then ends up having these twins as a teen And they're trying to paint this as this tragic tale, but you're seeing essentially all of the pro-life arguments being made. It's actually really incredible. I just want to go through a little bit of this, guys, because it's really funny to me, the narratives. And you see things in the media often, like they use negative language around this. For example, here it says, Brooke found out she was pregnant late on the night of August 29th, two days before the Texas Heartbeat Act banned abortions once an ultrasound can detect cardiac activity, which I love the use of cardiac activity. Don't underestimate this stuff. This language matters. That's a heartbeat, a human heart, ladies and gentlemen, cardiac activity. It was the most, quote, restrictive abortion law to take effect uh, in the United States, blah, blah, blah. So you got it. It, This dangerous negative law. So that's how it's framed. And then here's another funny use of language. They're talking about Texans who, quote, needed abortions, end quote. The law has been a major inconvenience, forcing them to drive hundreds of miles and pay hundreds of dollars for a legal procedure they once could have had at home. Again, the framing here, we talk about the narrative all the time, and that is incredible framing from the Washington Post. Just It's just an innocuous legal procedure that anyone could do, and now it's more difficult to do. And this sentence gets me right here, guys. Some people couldn't take the time away from work or afford gas, while others, faced with a long journey, decided to stay pregnant. Dun-dun-dun! Like, it's this horrible thing now. They're staying pregnant. And it goes on, and of course, you see the two babies in there. She finds out she's having twins. 
I want to go down to this one particular comment here by the couple as they're going into an ultrasound. We, we've talked about ultrasounds and the importance of that because in the abortion debate, it's often changed to make the child growing inside the womb not sound like a child, like it's just some sort of fetus or it's cells or something that doesn't sound human, even though all those things are human. So they talk about this ultrasound and it says the ultrasound tech pressed the probe onto her stomach slathered with gel. Brooke willed the screen to show a fetus without a heartbeat. And then it says the technician gasped. It was twins and they were 12 weeks along. Are you sure? Brooke said. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Thomas recalled saying as she jumped up and down. This is a miracle from the Lord. We are having these babies. And again, it makes the pro-life argument. You see that it's actually children in there and they have this realization that they absolutely should have these children and not kill them. So incredible, incredible confirmation of the pro-life movement. Also talks about things that she's realizing, like she's getting her after dropping out of high school at 15. Now she's going back and taking real estate classes and getting her license while pregnant. So amazing. You can actually do things while you're pregnant. Another interesting line here, guys, mothering comes naturally to women. Huh. It says here, quote, somehow mothering came naturally to Brooke. Whenever one of the babies started crying, Brooke would tick through her mental checklist. Was her daughter hungry, tired, et cetera, et cetera. And she just naturally fell right into it, almost like God designed us that way. Phenomenal stuff. And then the last one I'll cover here, guys, there's a lot in there that proves, but my one of my favorite ones is, you often hear this from the, from the pro-choice movement, oh, the life we could have had, the things we could have been pursuing. Now, remember, she's a high school dropout. Now she's being forced to sort of consider having a family and what she should do. So she's going for a real estate license. The dad who, and they end up getting married and the dad decides that he's going to go into the military, but it talks about essentially lamenting, oh, but they think about what could have been. And he'd probably be out learning new skateboard tricks, or she'd be going out to Whataburger for, for a hamburger. And it's kind of like, okay, they've got a direction and a family in their life now that they didn't have before. They could have been having hamburgers and skateboarding. And I got news for you guys. You can still have hamburgers and do skateboarding when you have children. I don't know if anyone knows this or they're aware of these facts. But you are not locked up in your house to do nothing once you have children. I, the views that pro-choicers have of having children is are, are quite remarkable. But why does this matter? I wanted to go through this because I thought it's incredible if you read through this, this article about the Texas law and one of the first people to actually have children. Uh, it's called This Texas Teen Wanted an Abortion. She now has twins. They try to paint it as this negative. But to me, it's an incredible success story. And it shows that God is good no matter what the situation, no matter how difficult. And uh, and so I'll throw it over to you guys. You know, what's your reaction to this, what I'm calling is a cell phone? Well, you know, I think it's fascinating to watch people who claim to know so much about so many things know so very little. And, <laughs> yes. you know, it's, I think, I think it's heartbreaking too, because the value of life, it's very clear on this issue where people are and where their hearts are. And I think, it's so easy to be lied to. I mean, you mentioned the cardiac, you know, some of the terminology that's used is almost a further determinant of, of how far people have fallen in their morality, right? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so it's heartbreaking, but it is fascinating to kind of see the coverage in this way because it exposes it and it allows us to really talk about this issue for what it is. I think that has been the most revealing thing in the last couple of months is that for decades we've argued about the issue but now when people are grappling to hold on to these rights in the midst of the Supreme Court battle, you're really seeing the true colors and really the the things that don't add up come out and 
just be out in the open. It's really interesting too, and this is actually something that I talk about in the main thing a little bit, and I know it's it's kind of a thread throughout all of our stories uh, today, coincidentally, but uh, with abortion and then the sexuality issue, I think the media, and this story is a perfect example of it, the media lives in this echo chamber where they're just so determined that this story uh, has, has this one message about how we need to protect abortion, but they're so, it seems, so far removed from reality and so far removed from from absolute truth about what life is and what abortion is uh, in ending that life, uh, that they, are, I guess, are unable to see that the story that they're wanting to portray is not the story that's being told. <laughs> right. I mean, this right. is a profoundly, like you were saying, this is a profoundly pro-life story and really a beautiful testament to the decision that this young couple wisely made but it's yeah. being cast as if as if they're victims and 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 are gonna <laughs> you know are, are are just determined to live uh, this tormented life but that's not what's unfolding in the story the checklist of things that that the that the pro-life movement have been saying women can still have a life and still have meaning and still have purpose and still be successful with children that it is actually children in the womb it's human beings in the womb all of these things proving to be true in this article so amazing amazing to watch it all unfold so uh, again, you could check that one out on online, but pro-lifers, it's no surprise, as you saw in that article, often maligned, but the New York governor took it to a new level. Billy, you have the details. Yeah, she's she's turning some heads, New York Governor <laughs> Kathy Hochul, um, turning some conservative heads, at least. Uh, she made some comments on June 13th that when remarkably, I guess they just weren't noticed by many people until the past couple of days. She was signing a legislative package that basically she said, quote, you know, protected abortion and reproductive rights for all. Basically in a panic over the fact that the Supreme Court could overturn Roe, New York State was codifying abortion protection. And she delivered comments around this quote unquote historic moment, um, signing these pro-abortion pieces of legislation. And so she's on the stage and she's talking about all these issues that are going on right now. And it's really fascinating to listen to her talk about, about this. But at one point she says, this is the United States of America where freedom and liberty are supposed to mean something. It's the rock upon which we were founded. It is supposed to mean something, except in the eyes of some Neanderthals who say women are not entitled to those rights. Uh. And so she calls pro-lifers <laughs> Neanderthals, right? And it's just a remarkable mm. moment. And, and here's why it's remarkable. The country, we're really at a boiling point and a tipping point with this. We've had somebody accused of trying to assassinate a Supreme Court justice. We've had numerous churches and pro-life organizations being firebombed and attacked across the country. You would think that politicians would be very careful in how they talk about this issue. Uh, and, I, and I think this kind of language, obviously it's unhelpful, but in the context, by the way, she's the governor of New York in Buffalo, a location in New York, a city, had one of its pro-life Centers allegedly firebombed, mm. right? So this is something that has affected her state. And so it was sort of bizarre to hear her calling these people, you know, who are pro-life, Neanderthals. Um, but she went on to say a number of other things, and I won't belabor too much of it, uh, but that she was, you know, quote, praying that the Supreme Court would basically change their mind. I thought that was a really interesting comment as well. Um, and, and, you know, she said, this is one more quote that I know Dan, you'll love. She said, the women of New York will never be subjugated to government-mandated pregnancies. 
please. Um, <laughs> and I say you'd love that because I thought you'd find it comical. Yeah. Um, and so that was sort of the tone and tenor of this. A, a little a little disturbing in light of where we are right now. Yeah. And I think this is what you're seeing when when you are losing the argument on the merits. You have to go to ad hominem. And I and I think we see that often on this, particularly this issue, because the science, have, as you and others have talked about on this podcast, Billy and Trey, the science confirms more and more the pro-life position, the Christian position, that this is a human being from the moment of conception, just at the early stages of development. It's, it's, it's impossible to get around it at this point. So you're starting to see all these other arguments come into play. When that fails, it's just time to go ad hominem. Oh, I don't want to be a Neanderthal. I wouldn't want to be one of those. So that's where we're at. You know, it's a far cry from the comments that you were talking about yesterday, Billy, by uh, Supreme Court Justice Sotomayor to Mm. uh, Clarence Thomas, uh, which I think was actually the model of how we should talk about the people with whom we disagree. Uh, Not this, because, you know, as an elected official, and isn't this interesting, like during the, the Trump presidency, do you remember how often day in and day out we had media personalities, anchors and politicians on the left talking about how dangerous words are? Mm. How we need to be wise yeah, with our words, not villainize people because the rhetoric will lead to violence. Uh, but now, uh, with the shoes on the other foot, uh, the, a different party is in power, uh, and we hear all of this stuff all day long. And I, I don't hear many Brian Stelters of the world calling out how dangerous this rhetoric is these days. No, you don't hear it much at all. And uh, it's, again, part of that double standard that just seems to get worse as time goes on. All right, Megan Rapinoe, she's making headlines again, guys. For our next story and it's uh unfortunately it's kind of more along the lines of what we were just talking about and it's not for anything she accomplished on the field so trey you have the details on this one yeah so uh, olympic soccer player megan rapinoe as you said is making headlines for telling female athletes and their parents to get over the fact that transgender competitors males identifying as females might probably, will have a physical advantage over them. Uh, During an interview with Time magazine, the 36-year-old soccer star said she's fully supportive of trans inclusion in women's sports and dismissed concerns about female uh, athletic fairness, or athletic fairness for females, uh, saying people, and parents in particular, uh, need to understand that sports is not the most important thing in life, she said. Uh, She told the magazine, I would also encourage everyone out there who is afraid someone's going to have an unfair advantage over their kid to really take a step back and think, what are we actually talking about here? We're talking about people's lives. And then she added this, I'm sorry, your kid's high school volleyball team just isn't that important. Uh, So the comments from Rapinoe, particularly that last sentence, are quite hypocritical, uh, since it was her own high school sports experience that paved the way for her very successful Olympic career. In high school, uh, she ran on the track team, played basketball, and also played soccer, and it was her skill in soccer that resulted in her receiving a scholarship from the University of Portland. Uh, She also ended up playing on the U.S. soccer's 17 and under uh, youth team and delayed college then uh, to play in the under-19 U.S. soccer team. Uh, So quite an interesting comment about high school sports from somebody uh, whose entire career uh, was launched in high school. Uh, She then suggested that regulations in elite sports somehow do away with any sort of advantage biological males who identify as female uh, might have over women by claiming that transgender domination in women's sports is just, quote, not happening. That, though, is obviously not the truth. 
There are plenty of athletes that we could look at, but for time's sake, uh, we'll just look at one. All you have to do is look at the University of Pennsylvania swimmer Leah Thomas's record. Before transitioning to identifying as a female, Thomas, who's male, ranked 554th in the men's 200-meter freestyle. Now, Thomas, competing alongside women, is taking home victory after victory uh, in the NCAA uh, and you know in other college competitions throughout uh, his career. Uh, so that's like I said, that's just one example. There are plenty of other uh, plenty of other examples that you can look at. Uh, so I'm not sure what Megan Rapinoe was looking at uh, to to say that it's that it's just not happening. Uh, but a simple Google search would disabuse her of that uh, false notion. Uh, so as far as why it matters, look, I think if we're going to have this debate, uh, we need to acknowledge the truth here. As Christians, obviously, we know the truth about sexuality and about male and female and how God designed us in His image. Uh, but let's just have a, a conversation based on the scientific truth. Uh, and the left seems to to really admire admire science, particularly in the age of COVID, uh, but science and, and what biology actually says uh, is seemingly not part of this discussion. No, it's not at all. And I mean, I guess she's okay because she's at the end of her career, so maybe she doesn't have to care about it as much. But young women that are and little girls who are growing up now who might want to participate in athletics as they get older, if this trend continues and we keep seeing people celebrating transgenderism and making it acceptable and it's particularly in sports um you're going to see less and less women be able to compete because it's just the way it is it's there's just facts that men are generally speaking more athletic and physically capable than women and so when you have these transgender women in here who are actually men they're going to dominate that sport and you're not going to see regular women in there. And so I guess Megan, it's okay for her because she's going to retire. She's made her money, but for future little girls out there who might want to compete against other girls, uh, that opportunity will likely not be there or it'll be just much more difficult because there will be less slots for women. What a losing message for an athlete at the peak of her career, an Olympic athlete, to tell high school athletes who probably are aspiring to be her (laughs) that it's just not that important. doesn't really matter. Well, I'm just going to second everything you all said because that that is the case, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it's wild to me that somebody who's reached the pinnacle of success that she has reached in sports, and that's the only reason people are talking about her, right, outside of some other you know, pieces of her puzzle that have gotten her attention. It's all about sports, but sports don't matter that much. Well, I'm sure if somebody had told her that as a high schooler, she would have felt (laughs) quite uh, differently because as you pointed out in your piece, Trey, uh, this is, that's really where her start was. So I find this to be a really sad message that people's feelings are all that really matter and that the hard work and dedication that people and in particular women put in, it just doesn't matter. It's, you know, the feelings are what matter most that that's a losing and a bad message. Yeah. And again, as Christians, I think that's where we have a difference when we're when we're you're seeing kind of the folly of the secular worldview as as they try to explain these things and they try to navigate these things. Basic, obvious truths have to be denied, have to be basically rebelled against in order for the things they're doing to make sense. And so on the main thing today, that's an area that we are going to explore into because it matters. It matters not just on one issue, but all the issues. And that is acknowledging absolute truths they exist they're actually a thing and if you don't have an ultimate source then ultimately you have nothing because then anything goes 
And so Trey looked into that on today's main thing. Take a listen. Our cultural understanding of the word truth and what it means to believe something is true has been eroded by waves of relativism. Before we dig into some of the data, it would be wise to establish a few definitions. Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines truth as the body of real things, events, or facts, and a judgment, proposition, or idea that is true or accepted as true. Absolute is defined as having no restriction, exception, or qualification. So an absolute truth is something that is fundamentally true without any exception, regardless of the periods, places, or people it may impact. The dictionary defines the term relativism as the belief that ethical truths depend on the individuals and groups who hold them. Americans are increasingly drifting away from the idea of absolute truth. A 2020 survey from the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University found nearly 60% of surveyed Americans no longer believe in a universal truth, and instead say it's up to the individual to decide what is true and moral for them. We recently spoke with Jim Daly, president of Focus on the Family, about this very issue, specifically when it comes to abortion. So often when we hear conversation and debate about abortion, Truth is absent from the conversation. Rather than acknowledging that a life is being taken, the act of abortion is called reproductive rights or women's health care. Here's what Daly had to say. You know, there's so much going on in the culture right now, Trey, that is like that. It's like, this is a hand, and people say, no, it's not. And, I, you know, it's just hard to even have a discussion, let alone a debate, if we can't agree on some simple truths. And uh, certainly, you know, I heard uh, Senator Lankford the other day on the floor talking about the fact that we protect turtle eggs because mm. they will be turtles. And we protect eagles' eggs because eventually that'll be an eagle. I mean, fully breathing and flying and the whole bit. But the same is true with the human baby. I mean, that is a baby. It's got separate DNA. It has a separate blood type typically. So the point being that we can recognize this in nature for birds and turtles, but somehow a uh, a baby in the womb is not really going to be a baby. It's ridiculous. And we we can't agree on that truth. I think it really is simply the blindness of what they want to achieve. He is exactly right in noting there's a blindness present in our culture. It's a spiritual blindness to absolute truth. The Cultural Research Center survey, which was conducted by pollster George Barna, found that even among self-identified Christians, just half, 54%, identify God as the basis of truth. It's no surprise brand new data from Gallup is showing a trend away from Americans in general believing in God. Year after year, the number of Americans who believe in the Lord has decreased. Now it's at 81% down from 87% in 2017 and 92% in 2011. Interestingly, the two demographical outliers in that decline are married people and conservatives. 88% of married respondents and 94% of conservative respondents still believe in God. All of this is important because apart from God, we cannot know absolute truth. As scripture states, he is the original source of truth. In John 14, 6, Jesus describes himself as the way, the truth, and the life. And in Romans 1, 20 through 22, 
The Apostle Paul explains that human beings are without excuse should they fail to know God as the source of truth. He wrote, For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. Knowing that truth, the ultimate truth, is the best and really the only way to make sense of this world. Jim Daly had a really difficult childhood. He was abandoned by an alcoholic father, left orphaned by a cancer-stricken mother, and was ultimately forced into the foster care system. His life as a child was not easy, but he's made the most of it in the years since. He's now married and has raised two sons of his own with his wife. For him, it was the absolute truth of Jesus that made all the difference. I'll leave you with this. It's one of the, the pleasures of being more mature in our faith in Christ. There's a lot of shalom in your life. And we have even our family members, extended family members. There can be a lot of chaos. And uh, we did a series long ago called uh, That the World May Know with the Jewish scholar Ray Vanderlaan. And I was in Israel with them, and he was teaching a group we were with, and he said, listen, when sin entered the world, chaos entered the world, and Jesus came so that we might experience God's shalom, his peace. And that's really it. That's John 10.10, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy you, but God, Jesus, comes to give us life and life more abundantly. And I think for me, that's been it. Um, I live a really normal life now after all that stuff in my childhood. And I talk with my two boys who are now 21 and 19 about that. And they say, yeah, man, our life has been awesome. And that was one of my goals that my boys, my children would have an entirely different childhood than what I had. And God was kind enough to let me do that with my own kids. All right, Trey, thanks so much for that report. Appreciate it. And we've got time here for one last thing, guys. And uh, Billy, you've got a nice story on a good Samaritan. What happened there? Yeah, there's a guy named James Bolin and his wife, Christy. He is a disabled Gulf War veteran, and they were in danger of losing their mobile home, a place they have lived for the past 20-plus years. With all the crazy rates of everything going up in terms of cost, they were going to be potentially having to leave out on the street. And after a news outlet ran a story about their plight, a good Samaritan rose up and paid their rent for the year, allowing them to stay in the house. It's just a really inspiring story. Brought them hope and brought a lot of other people around the country hope as well Mm, that's fantastic i love that always good to see someone stepping up and really just proving that you don't need big giant governments necessarily to handle all of these problems if we're just good neighbors to one another we can take care of a lot of it ourselves no i love to see glimmers of god's goodness and his general revelation to us in these kinds of stories it's just it's beautiful to see people looking out for other people absolutely is all right that is all the time we have for today we've made it halfway through the week more than halfway through the week congratulations quick starts getting you through it faster than ever before that's the guarantee that we promise that's That's our story. We're sticking to it anyway. So, all right. If you want news from a Christian perspective, you know the drill. Head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can also subscribe to the Quick Start newsletter and get that in your inbox every day. So God bless. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise. We'll be back here tomorrow with more.